hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Podcasting is Praxis, coming to you live into your ear hole from the internet. My name is Rob, I'm the resident dirty foreigner uh, speaking to you from Brussels, and I am also the shadow, shadow, shadow foreign secretary. Uh, my name's Elijah. Uh, I'm up in the far northeast, up in Aberdeen. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Klesmer Rouge. If you'd like to read about funny things in politics and mandolins, that's about it. That's that's all I do. Hi there. I'm Seb. Uh, this is my first time on the podcast, but I have the distinction of being involved from the beginning, but never ever getting the sound right. Uh, it's been described <laughs> as a robot yelling into a washing machine. But since we're covering the Lib Dem conference this time, I thought I'd go for a different, better sound. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kirby. This is my first time on the podcast as well. I'm um, from England, which is nice and quite compact. Uh, and I'm looking forward to being able to talk about politics stuff. Woo. Yeah. Um, so you, we've got new people. This is a it's a it's a collective podcast. We have like a rotating cast of people. So if, uh, if you're on the Internet and you'd like to be involved in any way, if you like what we do, uh, you can just uh, let us know. Tweet at us at uh, podcasting is Praxis. Uh, no, wait. What's the Twitter handle? Praxiscast? Uh, I don't fucking know. Can... Um, Praxis podcast? I'm sure you can find it. It'll be in the, <laughs> in the episode notes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> just look We're it up really yourself, good at this, Can you tell? <laughs> just type in the search bootstrap your way. <laughs> bootstrap your way into the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, we've got a pretty cool episode for you today. Um, we're going to cover some news stuff first. It's been uh, it's it's been pretty funny. It's been funny, but it's not um, been as mental as last week. So thank you, Parliament, for not no. being on the case anymore. It's been a nice constant stream of things. I'm much happier talking about ridiculous shit that happens just like outside of politics than ridiculous shit that happens in Parliament. Sorry, outside of Parliament, not outside of politics. Because Parliament, sure, it's it's dramatic and it's the late nights and everything. But who really? I mean, it's 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 boring after a while. Like it's it's funny to see people get dunked on, but being confined to that room and those the, the, just that archaic semblance, it's much more entertaining when 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 politicians are out in the street getting you know into fist fights, tangible trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they do that at the Parliament bar. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and they that lead guy, to a glorious the, revolution. What? That guy's a hero. Getting drunk in the Parliament bar and just being like, there's too many fucking Tories here, and kick it off. Yeah. <laughs> we have him to thank for everything that's currently going on. It all stems from that one butterfly effect. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. I think uh, he regrets it, though. I swear what? I saw something that, yeah, he, he was kind of to the right wing of the Labour Party, and, oh. you know, somebody laid that this out to him, and he said, ooh, yeah. <laughs> well... It's karma then. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. For punching people, even though it's, I'm, I'm not too upset about punching Tories. Yeah. Anyway, um, what do we got? We've got uh, Joan Ryan fucking off. Yeah, Yay. congratulations. Oh, I mean, she's going to be a fixture in Parliament since, uh, I don't know, the dawn of time, the late Jurassic, I think. Um, and just a, another one of these wonderful Labour characters that we're really going to miss, you know, now that the Stalinist Trotskyites of Corbyn hardline regime are in charge. You know, she just, she couldn't take it any longer. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, it, it's <laughs> difficult for her. And I get that, because, you know, if you're an MP and, you know, in 2007, if you only claim a, nearly £174,000 in expenses in one year, you know... Oof. 
I'd love to know how she did that. Out on Jesus. What? I mean, how well, there, there was, you know, like uh, lake houses for ducks and things. So that must have what? just been that. Yeah, yeah. Her, her ducks just really needed housing. No, she spent, uh, you know, a godload of taxpayer money on doing up her flat, then selling it for more money, then claiming again that she needed to live somewhere else doing up another flat. And then, you know, that's how you get to 174000 Did she know which party she was in? <laughs> she's been well, buying she not anymore. She's been well, she, not only did she know which party she was in, it, the year after this, you know, so while the expense was still rumbling, uh, she actually wrote to the general secretary of the Labour Party and requested uh, leadership ballot papers so she could challenge Gordon Brown. <laughs> wow. That was not a wise decision. <laughs> she's been she's been bulk buying solid gold menorahs and silk yarmulkes for her role play as a Jewish person. Uh, Good I, I don't like Joan no, Ryan. No, neither do I. But no. Joan Ryan very much likes Joan Ryan. And I think, you know, that's an important thing to do because among the things she kept doing was trying to get Wikipedia to delete the stuff about the expenses scandal. And at least like 30... <laughs> At least ten attempts were made from computers on like uh, the on Westminster itself. Oh my word! And a further twenty were made from inside her constituency home uh, in Enfield. Oh, and oh no! Just, uh, John Ryan sitting at home typing on a typing on Wikipedia. John Ryan is innocent and has never been corrupt for anything, and is also awesome. And she rocks and should be prime minister. Well, hang Wikipedia. on. No, maybe this is the ducks just trying to do her a solid. You know. Yeah. She's probably got a daily alarm that goes off at seven. Right time to Google myself. Oh, it's still there. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah, you know, so doesn't cool. everybody do that? Uh, Everyone and, does. And you that. know, I think. And then. You know, she lost, first in 2018, she lost a vote by her own constituency who at that point really said, look, we, we can't deal with you anymore because you're just frightful and terrible. And then, you know, five minutes later, by complete coincidence, she had what I think is a real and severe, and I think we should all respect it, uh, case of the ethics. You know, she had a real, mm -hmm. the ethics just struck down on her and, you know, she had to leave and she had to join Change UK, the independent group, different shades for different people united um and in her resignation letter to the um labor party she said she was leaving and this is a quote because of the stalinist clique around jeremy corbyn <laughs> well 174,000 buys you a lot of ethics i think that's a a, a good trade exchange rate there when mm. people don't like you it's because of stalinism yes exactly <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the exchange rate for pounds to ethics now is, but you know, it's it's you know you don't get as many for them anymore. Um, well, her heart obviously grew three sizes that day, so um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're talking maybe like fifty thousand pounds, give or take. Yeah, and then she had a you know she had a I think she had a really lovely dinner um, at Nando's with you know all the other <coughs> traitors, uh, you know, uh, sorry, <laughs> worthwhile MEPs, and then you know she had to go somewhere else and be very important until she realised that there's no way on earth she's going to get reelected. So you know mm. she took the honourable path out and resigned. I was going to say, does that leave Cuttig with only three MPs now? <laughs> yeah, it's Anna Subri is still there because of course. Mm. The curse of the Nandos. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the Nandos. That is definitely one of those pictures, though, that someone's got up on their wall and is, like, drawing an X through every one of them when they <laughs> resigns. 
it's an Agatha Christie novel, but for like people who deserve it. <laughs> it's the modern remake of Then There Were None. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to briefly clarify my earlier crack about the menorahs and the and the Jewish thing. Joan Ryan was uh, chair of Labour Friends of Israel. Oh yes. Despite not being Jewish. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Got that. She's. She's not Jewish. I'm Jewish. I get to tell her off about this. <laughs> Fucker. Uh, she has uh, so Labour Friends of Israel functions as an extension of the Israeli lobby. Maybe not officially, but basically in practice is what it does. And she was caught on film as part of a documentary uh, taking money from uh, the Israeli government in exchange for allegedly uh, um, creating false allegations of anti-Semitism against the party. So. They gave her money. She was going to um, accuse Corbyn and Labour of being anti-Semitic. And this was going to benefit the Israeli lobby by reducing the electoral chances of the first real front-runner politician to be critical, explicitly critical, of Israeli policy against the Palestinians. Uh, this was, I mean, I, I'm being all, you know, allegedly whatever, but this was cited by her CLP, wow. um, I think. No? Was that not part of the reasons that they had an, an issue with oh, her? Oh, I can't remember. I mean, there's so many good reasons for her to, you know, be chucked yeah, out. But right. Yeah, we don't need to risk libel by uh, no. yeah. <laughs> not being well, sure what's she's, going on. She's, she's awful. She's a Shanda. I'm glad she's going. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bye-bye. <laughs> and this, no one will remember her after this, so... Just a big case of the Schick's inferiority complex. It's, it's, uh, it's, Basically, they, why do we need Stalin if they're purging themselves? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it. Oh, you, Mr. Corbyn, you better stop with this left-wing things or I'll leave the party. You see if I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I just, but, yeah, just stop and drink some beer there because I'm getting all head up about it. Yeah. <laughs> But let's. Yeah. I think let's no, I... let's move on. Let's move on to to uh, to other northern constituencies and you know politics. Yeah. Uh, you know <laughs> our our brave and valiant prime minister, who uh, brave ev- valiant prime yeah, minister, ev- <laughs> who is so beloved by all the people that every time you know he puts a toe outside Westminster, people just yell at him how much they nothing will stop him come rain nor sleet nor abuse <laughs> i have noticed that the inside the daily mirror they do start to refer to him all the time now as worst pm ever whenever they're explaining something he's recently done technically is true if you look at his voting record he actually probably is statistically the worst prime minister well he hasn't won a single vote yet exactly what, in like two weeks or something no. yeah, six yeah it's, losses it's... out of six I mean, all my losses is lessons, but, you know. (laughs) I mean, we talked about this on episode three, and at that point he was six for six. Yeah. Uh, So is he seven for seven, or did he manage to shut down Parliament before getting seven for seven? The pro-rogue, I suppose, I don't know if that counts as like a, you know, I'm not sure it does. The last vote was the vote of no confidence, wasn't it? Which technically had, like, more votes for it than against it. But not enough to pass. So I don't know if that counts as a like a failure. A fail. failure. Yeah, I, I, was, I would count it as a failure because it didn't. It didn't win. Yeah, because he wanted to be sacked by Parliament, which is a you yeah. know. Yeah, guys, guys, he got the one vote that mattered. 
the Queen. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. He's Prime Minister of her heart. <laughs> <laughs> he might not be of the country. Yeah, but, but I mean, she, look, she hasn't done a formal address. We don't know what brooch she's going to wear, so she could be very angry with him. Oh, yeah, she could be, she, she could be r raging. We'll have to look very closely at the buttons. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just imagine after the meeting, she went back to her, to her husband and went, Philip, who was that man? He seemed to think he was important or something. Uh. I'm not really sure what's going on anymore. <laughs> we can uh, do. Johnson, well, Johnson, he's, he's bumbling around the country. Uh, there was, there was the, um, uh, he was, he went to Yorkshire and was told to leave. Like straight away, like snap, boom. The, the, the first thing that happens, he goes to Yorkshire, opens his mouth to speak to a nice old man, and gets told, Will you please leave my town? Very politely as well. Like, it looks like a lovely Very grandma, polite, man, yeah. and he just told him, Would you please leave? And he just went, Okay, okay, okay I'm going. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I'll be out of your hair soon. But that's one of his more accurate predictions, but not just for the town. <laughs> then he went to Leeds where, you know, even more people told him to go <laughs> to go back home and sort out Brexit instead of sauntering around Leeds. I think it's quite appropriate that people are telling him to go back home. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't his, Will isn't he his family from... French from, like, deep origin? Like the dip He's got a pretty varied ancestry, yeah, like his yeah, grandfather or great-grandfather is Turkish or something. Yeah. So, yeah, like he's um, unfortunately acclimatised himself to the British ruling class far too well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know what they say about converts being the most radical. <laughs> mm, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great fun. It's just seeing him stumble into into towns and cities and be told to fuck off straight away. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's just proof great. that the bubble he lived in in London as mayor was completely and utterly due to the elites there and no one else. <laughs> no yeah. one else would yeah, never, well, ever feel that same way about him. And he's having it crash down around him. And I love seeing those photos of him sat in places with just this despondent look on his face, realising, oh no, I'm not the lovable scamp I always thought I was. Yeah. This is mm -hmm. horrible. This yeah. is the thing, though. Like, he was on, have I got news for you? He was on, uh, or he was the mayor, like, a decade ago. More than that. So there's been so much time where he's just been another Tory MP. Like, well, and in the cabinet even. So unfortunately, that's worse. Like, people yeah. recognise him as being part of the government rather than hiding on the benches and and yeah like the the idea in retrospect is quite ridiculous that somehow people are gonna say oh it's bozza legend kind of stuff rather than everything he's been doing and been part of since of course yeah. everyone's gonna hate him yeah because i can't remember i mean there was the two things there was the two have i got news for yous there was the thing where he was stuck on the zip wire holding a british flag <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think out of that, the Tory party construed this insane myth of just, well, this man clearly is beloved by all the people and, you know, he will lead us into the promised land. Yeah. Oh, he has a plan, that tripwire stunt. There was some in-meaning behind that. That, oh that was God. Dominic Cummings. I forgot about the... I forgot about the zipwire guys. Yeah, and the flags. But I mean, it's good that people remember his actual, you know, like his 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 physical death count, his actual legacy of his policies. He went up to Doncaster, and he was uh, confronted by this young woman who was very angry about austerity, <laughs> and she, you know, 
good for her for not getting distracted by this whole Brexit shenanigans and remembering who is actually to blame for the fact that thousands of people, thousands of vulnerable, uh, you know, the, 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 mm. the most disenfranchised people in this country have been dying in their droves and it's because of deliberate ideological yeah, policies it's, it's, put it's, in by it's the Tories. Yeah, it's 130,000 uh, austerity-related deaths according to The Lancet last year. Good for her for remembering and good for her for confronting him. Uh, I guess good for her for showing that much restraint because if I... I don't know if I'd be able to, guys. I mean... No, I understand. I mean, to actually mm. speak to these people that have chosen policies that are deliberately designed to basically exterminate a class of people is disgusting. And the fact that they lead our country is... Well, it's unbelievable. It, it really is just a horror show. Um, yeah, so he was up in Doncaster, and I think he's internalised this, this, like, you know, being told to fuck off so often that when he did go to Luxembourg to meet with the Prime Minister, <laughs> and he saw a handful of people. There's how many British expats in Luxembourg? Like, five? I think there were like somewhere between, I've seen the news, is somewhere between 30 and 50 people, and they were just yelling at him because, you know, they're British expats. They're yelling at yeah. Really, that few? They were pissed. That was a lot of noise. There's more on the opposition bench than 30 to 50 people. Yeah, and they're sitting right in front of him, <laughs> braying at him like fucking donkeys. He's supposed to be this hard man, right? He, he's supposed to have, you know, these big Brexit balls that he's going to take with him to, <laughs> to, to, to the EU, yeah. and he's going to smack him on the table, and he's going to get the best deal for everyone. And, I didn't want to think about Boris Johnson's people. incredible Hulk balls, but there we go. Thank you. Or 50 not British thank you. people. Well, well. 30 to 50 British Hulk balls at 30. the very least. A <laughs> yeah. feral British protester. Yeah. How do I defend my three to five prime ministers? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even, it's like, it's not just any protesters, it's British protesters who are. I think Europe-wide, the most docile and, like, you know, mild at it compared to, say, the French or the Italians or, or you yeah, know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Germans not, I mean, they're, they're, except they're, if you go to, like, the Costa Brava, which is just, like, bright red thumbs, but, um, the, you know... <laughs> but, I mean, it was extraordinary. He did, He had this meeting. He went to... He, incidentally, he went to Luxembourg because he didn't want to go to Brussels because going to Brussels would be seen as a sign of surrender... So they went to Luxembourg, where, you know, the European Court of Justice, another one of these hated institutions, is incidentally located. Um, and then he had lunch with um, with Juncker and Xavier Battelle, the prime minister. And then they set up everything for like a proper press conference. Uh, and then, you know... Apparently, inside the doors, like, I'm guessing this was the cum-dom, uh, said, look, we can't... <laughs> Excuse me, the what? <laughs> the cum-dom. Dominic Cummings, you know, are the... the oh, right, okay. The Machiavellian, you know, vampire behind everything who's going to lead us into the glorious revolution. Um, wait, wait, sorry. Are we saying that Johnson has a cum-dom? Yes, I am saying that. <laughs> oh, allegedly, allegedly, hello, British Libel. What is happening to this reality? <laughs> A dom cum. Yes. Yeah. Uh, God. Um, and then it, instead of doing a press conference where in the background, you know, some people would be yelling unpleasant things at him, um, he just didn't turn up. And there were these amazing press photos that came out later of him literally like hanging out on some weird rooftop whilst oh, the yeah, Prime Minister was speaking. Those. 
He was just, he was just sort of ambling around in a circle, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, waiting yeah. for a, a helicopter. I don't think that. Like a caged feral hog. <laughs> well, hang on, no, there's precedence for this. You know, he was too busy thinking about Brexit to show up for oh, the podium. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was, for those who don't remember, that was Theresa May's big excuse for why she hadn't been in Parliament or why no, she, she hadn't... didn't do the televised debate. She was too busy thinking about Brexit. So she sent Amber Rudd the day after her. Amber Rudd's dad had died to 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 go suffer on live TV. Yeah. Anyway, that yeah, was... it's great. <laughs> but it, everything is just so cool. It's it's everything is so fantastic and amazing and great. And it's just oh my god. Mm. I mean, but at least Patel got in some good you know owns and uh, and some good dunks. Yeah. Gesturing at the empty podium. No, it was just um, it was just you know thoroughly great throughout and was I think you know. Looking at it from Brussels, the entire continental press was just, you know, this is exactly what we think it is. And then the Daily Mail and the Express were just, glorious, uh, glorious Bojo refuses to bow down to yelling, <laughs> uh, you know, Romaniac Ramonas who can't keep their mouths shut while glorious Bozza is speaking. <laughs> they probably thought, actually, I, I suspect they might have thought that it would be a good uh, strategic move so they could portray it as... The bullying EU being mean to nice old Boris Johnson with his funny haircut, who who just wants to find a good deal for everyone. But the, I mean, I think it's backfired. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's no way this could be spun as a positive. No way. I mean, you know, not to get too much into the sort of gammon whispering. I don't know how these people think. I don't want to find out. I'm just struggling to see any kind of positive angle. No, none. Um, absolutely none. At least not among anyone who wasn't already of that opinion. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, the sort of press um, that's yeah. normally really positive is was just kind of ignoring it a lot or, yeah, just going yeah. full on like, ah, yeah. EU, everything they do, it doesn't matter who's possibly at fault. It's just somebody yeah. else's fault. Yeah, or they put a, an article about Nessie on the front page or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah, I think it's a fucking eel. Fuck off. It's not a giant eel. It's a plesiosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's clearly a plesiosaur. Yeah, <laughs> I think there was son. a serious investigation in the late 90s that uh, was a hit film and proved that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, for those of you so, still listening, the next episode is going to be a whole series on political cryptids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is the yeah. Chupacabra a Trump supporter? <laughs> I mean, I, just in case you don't follow US politics, there was that case last year or, or a few months back of a guy running for, I think, the Senate or Congress or something. Yes! Who, it turned out, had... had, had uh, um, slash fic yes. of him in a romantic relationship <laughs> with, with, no. with the fucking Yeti. <laughs> no. Yes. yes. No. It was Bigfoot oh. slash fic. I promise you it exists. Bigfoot. No, that's you it. You are kidding Bigfoot me. Slash fic. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> okay. I can't There's even. a whole... <laughs> There's a whole chop episode on that. We can we can link it in the show notes. You can go look it up. It's uh, fucking great. Please, I need to hear that because that that's too ludicrous for me to properly process. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So Boris crowns off his his tour of failure and getting dunked on by visiting a hospital in um, in London, checking into the burn ward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. It's fucking awful. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. 
yeah, he's, so he goes to visit this hospital in, in London. And of course, uh, like we said before, the, the cuts and the, and the austerity policies have been decimating everything, including healthcare, including NHS. So the hospital's in dire conditions. It's in dire straits. Everything's fucked up. Everything's going to shit. And this guy who's there, this dad of, I think, a week old yeah, young six girl, or seven weeks, I think. Who is yeah. a, a very very, Ill, young. very young child, very, very young, who is there in the hospital. He confronts Boris Johnson because he's a dad with a sick kid who cares about his kid. And he confronts him about the complete disastrous, catastrophic state of the hospital. Tells him to fuck off. Tells me he doesn't. Well, he, he doesn't say fuck off. He, he tells him to. He tells me he doesn't belong there. That he shouldn't be staging um, uh, press. You know, um, press, uh, press opportunities, press ops, and press events in a hospital, getting in the way of the actual treatment of of of, of, of people. And yeah, Boris just lies to him, just like straight up. This, there's no press here. Yeah, whilst um, the cameras are, are like straight up filming them side to side. Yeah. What the fuck am I watching it on, Boris? Then, yeah, Jesus. Um, so that was that was great, and that one got him a bit more negative traction. Yeah. Until. Ooh. Until. <sighs> until. Until it turned out that the dad had—I don't know—he worked for Emily Thornberry or something years ago. He, well, he, I mean, he has something on his Twitter profile, literally saying "labor activist." Does he? Okay, yeah. great. Cool. People are allowed to be in politics. You know, that's 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 fine. Um, I'm not even too too upset about that particular, you know, unearthing. That's standard practice. They always do it. Um, but what really, really pissed me off, and the, most of the internet, it seems at this point as well in the UK, at least. Excuse me. Yeah. Is that Laura Koonsberg, who is the head of the BBC politics? Yeah, political editor. Um, yeah, political editor. Um, she not only tweeted out um, this thing about him being a labor activist, but she tweeted his Twitter page, his profile. She named him. She said, this is him. Mm. Like a single line tweet. This is him. Yeah. 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 She has a million followers. She knew exactly what was going to happen and what and what happened, of course. Yeah, and we, we the have guys to got... probably say that of those million followers, at least a few of them, I would mm. characterize as lightly unstable. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. The man has a um, ethnic sounding name, yeah. Omar yeah. something. I'm not going to no, let's not. No, say let's his whole name out here. No, he's fine. But he has a possibly Middle Eastern or foreign sounding name. Yeah. Um, if you're the head of the, if you're the BBC's political editor, you must be aware that this political climate has already caused multiple assaults and deaths, including the assassination of a sitting MP. Mm. Which is not brought up enough, really. No, it isn't. Everyone yeah. forget, we have to keep hammering this in. Um, the biggest crisis of political violence in the UK in recent memory is caused by racism and its proxy... Uh, yeah, and the heightened tensions of a Brexit and everything else. Yeah. This is it. This is the climate. Um, and she is basically directing an entire swath of, of angry right-wing people to go harass this yeah. man, who is undoubtedly getting harassed right now. I'm, and, I, I have no doubt about and it. Who's, you know, and let's not forget a young father with a very sick child in hospital who's already yeah. stressed yeah. out. And this is, 
I'm sorry, I'm just having trouble parsing it because it makes me so, so furious. No, you're right. It's, it's disgusting. <sighs> and and it, the way that some of the journalists in the place where she works and, and other journalists who realise what this means, closing in and protecting her, is is in, increasing the anger that we feel about how she feels... Well, not even what she feels, but how they feel they can get away with this kind of stuff because it's journalism <laughs> when... It, it it isn't really. This is this is propaganda for the Tory party. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you've just reminded me what happened afterwards was that the BBC politics team released a statement, right? I say quote unquote statement because it was <laughs> it was text written on on the iOS Notepad app, By right? She just written this up on her phone, screenshotted it, and then tweeted it out from the official BBC account, <laughs> saying that any implications of deliberate, you know. Um, uh, yeah, mob incitement, essentially. Are, yeah, she said they were absurd. Any any accusa- any implications of incitement and harassment are absurd. I don't know the exact wording, but she used the word absurd. Um, which, I mean, th- that's great. Uh, I'm going to type shit up on my notepad app and post it and, you know... Do official statements that way? Yeah, no. I mean, it was it was it was absolutely revolting, and you know the the stuff that this this guy said about the shape of the NHS hospital. You know, he he was I mean, he was very heartfelt, and he said, look, um, for this entire ward, the natal and the pre and the neonatal ward. So, like, these are the youngest of young children. You know, there, there's one um, registrar here for the whole floor, and you know what. There are real problems here, and instead of swanning about for a press opportunity, could you go do something about it? You know, and and that on the Gammony side, sort of the insane side of thing, was already like, oh, he's a Labour activist, so it can't be true. I mean, this afternoon there was a piece written uh, in the Guardian of one of the doctors in that hospital who was actually there when um, Johnson's doing a visit. You know, literally, he says it, it doesn't work. You know. It's a literal quote. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed with the care I can give my patients. I work in acute adult medicine, and I'm doing it as service to my patients and my families. There aren't enough computers. Uh, diagnosis is delayed for people for waiting for scans. People who are medically unfit fit to discharge are waiting in hospital for weeks for social services to kick in. So this is not, you know, whatever goes on in like a, you know, abandoned barn of a brain of a, you know, no. people who think this is a plot. This is real. It is real. They, I mean, journalists don't live in the real world, right? They have no. their little bubble. They have rules of engagement. It's well, like they're a like game political analysts that uh, yeah. know better than voters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. They don't seem to think about electability the same way I do. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerds. Oh god! Um, I, did we forget to hang like our garlic against Nate Silver entering the podcast? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nate. So okay. Uh, yeah. Briefly. Nate Silver has a fantastic tweet where he says that um, uh, just because... So he says, Klobuchar probably has one of the best electability arguments in the field. So the fact that she's tied for last year is a sign that voters don't really think about electability in the same way that political analysts do. That's, that's just fantastic. Let that sink in there. That's great. But this is, this is how all journalists operate. They, they, they have reality and then they have their reality, which supersedes actual reality, right? It's like a, um, it's the Stephen Colbert sort of um, truthiness yeah. thing, right? They, yeah. they just create a concept of, of reality that... that they get to play around it and they can dip their balls in it and whatever. And, you know, there's no real consequences. And we just have to take um, it. We're not allowed to question it because they no, know we're not better allowed to question us. it. 
Well, yeah. If you if you tell them that they suck, like you can on Twitter, for example, um, you start reading newspaper articles about how there's mobs of of, of Stalinist gulag <laughs> commissars going around Twitter trying to beat journalists into submission. And they'll write dozens and th- hundreds and thousands of opinion pieces about how they're not allowed to say things. Yeah. And, and- <laughs> yeah, so there was like a campaign launched um, just this week to try and, you know, deal with the sort of harassing side of Twitter. And uh, like, yeah, they're, <laughs> yes. they're not doing anything about Tell this. About this. Yeah. yeah, there's like, this is fine, apparently. But speaking of, shall we, shall we slightly move on? Because, you know, Speaking of people who are dipping their balls in, you know, or other body parts in, in something called reality or not, shall we move on to the Lib Dem conference? I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I did want to put one l- little brief connection in, which, which, um, it, it, it could be cut. I don't know. Um, but the, the reason journalists behave this way is because for, uh, ever since the shutdown of the journalism unions. Of the of the trade unions for for journalists and the move to this sort of mass produced you know kind of uh, churning out little uh, boxes and blogs and sort of clickbait titles, uh, doing actual commentary journalism has become increasingly something that only people who can afford to to not do paying jobs get to go into right. Um, if you work in journalism, you're either going to be sat there churning out. Uh, or just sort of reformatting headlines from your Reuters or your yeah from the press Associated Press, yeah. right? The 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 the, the newsreel, the actual independent reporting gets uh, completely dropped. If you read Flat Earth News by um, Nick Davies, he, he, Nick Davies, thank you. He talks a lot about how uh, well he did studies and he, he he got people to actually check how much independent original you know investigative journalism actually gets done and it's down to like 20 or 30 percent it's nothing everything else the vast majority of reporting is just this color praise so the only people who actually get to a position where they can have analytical opinions in media are people from a predominantly wealthy right-wing environment who've been groomed for that position by their whole sort of upbringing um and laura Kunzberg is very much of that ilk and if you if you just look at her output um this is it's it's the it keeps it keeps happening right she's been using the the twitter accounts of the bbc offices themselves to retweet defenses of her she's been doing this all she 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 has complete power to to just say what she wants and then completely exonerate herself um i liked the no one takes it a task because the BBC over the past few years has been repeatedly, uh, it's, it's had people in top positions being replaced by conservatives, people who worked on Tory campaigns and in Tory governments. So there's no real actual oversight. Um, I did enjoy someone found Laura Koonsberg retweeting someone uh, who turned out to be a Turning Point UK activist, you know, making it look like she was just a normal person. Um all this kind of shit. And of course, as far as activists pretending to be real people go, <laughs> if you watch... Instead of, you know, the, you, the mystical slime my monsters. God, have you seen Question Time recently yeah. at all? It is always chock full of, late, of, of, of Tory councillors, Tory candidates, Tory uh, aides, like people who actually in, work in the Tory party, not just, you know, some guy who takes a placard and goes down the street or whatever. People who are professional conservative politicians posing as 
real people. And, oh my, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it's just, oh. I know. That's it's it. It's insidious. Um, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm fucking... On that particular point about <laughs> activists and people, though, like, we have yeah. just spent the early part of this section legitimately defending a Labour Party activist for his completely legitimate, you know, intervention into politics. And so... Yes, because some things are true and some things are not. Well, exactly. It but matters. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's not a split between activist and real person, you know, because politics is real. It affects real people. And, you know, the kind of honesty around that is fine. It, there's no falsehood by believing your principles, but there is falsehood by, yeah, um, going in question time, me, member of the public, in reality... Uh, Tory you know, councillor. Uh, yeah. That, that's the dishonesty rather than somehow your political engagement meaning you're not a real person. Sure. No, that's not what I meant. But people who do journalism, who, who have studied journalism, should be able to do some level of like source analysis, right? Being critical of who's saying what and why they're saying it. And you discern if what they're saying is more or less accurate based on what reasons they might have for it to be this way or that way. Um, and but but everyone is just willfully disingenuously pretending that they don't know how to do it. They're pretending to be, you know, people with the critical thinking abilities of like of a fucking five year old, um, and it's 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 it just drives me nuts. It, it's and it's so willfully obvious as well. Like you you can see they're pretending. Oh yeah, and it's constant and it, it, it is all the time everywhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm yeah. sorry if that dragged on a little bit, guys. It's just, yes, yes, deep breath. Here we go. Yeah, speaking of people with the political analysis of five-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go to, ah, well, let's go to Bournemouth, I think they were. Yeah, well, Bournemouth? You, yeah, you why? If the people of Bournemouth, they didn't even know either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, for those who don't know, there's a wonderful little video out there uh, on the internet um, where people were literally walking past the Lib Dem conference with that giant, you know, piss yellow bird on, on the side of the building, and they were asking them, you know, who... The piss bird! <laughs> the piss bird is real. The Dems are piss birds! <laughs> Uh, and, and, and just asking them, yeah, who's meeting here? What party conference is here? And none of them knew. <laughs> I'd vote for a party called the Pittsburgh Party. I think that'd be good and also asking, oh, have you heard of, of her, Joe Swinson? Who's that? Oh, I don't know. Or who's the leader of the Lib Dems? Oh, I've got no idea about that. No, no. Yeah, so I mean, the whole thing kicked off on, you know, uh, it, an extraordinary level anyway, which was a morning interview on Good Morning Britain <sighs> between Piers Morgan and Joe Swinson. And, you know, like, whoever wins, we all lose. Cause, you know, that's just. This was, by the way, I highly recommend you go watch yes. this. I know it's Piers Morgan, I know it, it, they're, they're all awful people, but I highly recommend you watch it. It is such a a fantastic car crash it's hilarious it's unbelievable I, I rarely ever feel like I'm, I'm rarely on the same side as Piers Morgan but he knew exactly what to say to fuck with her and it was great uh, it, was, it always makes yeah. you feel a bit dirty watching him and going oh he's right oh no it, yeah it was dreadful but I mean Piers Morgan this was around the time we should say when the Lib Dems have said if you elect us into a majority um, in Parliament which by the way is just I really want whatever drugs she's on. Um, 
It's fantasy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely it's fantasy. fantasy. If we are a majority, then uh, we will just straight up revoke Brexit. Uh, we'll just, you know, send a letter to the EU rescinding Article 50. Uh, we won't do a referendum. We won't ask anybody. We will just do it. And then, you know, I mean, obviously, what happened during this interview was that Piers Morgan, you know, God hate his soul, um, did <laughs> did correctly say, yeah, but you promised something about tuition fees before, and like three days ago, you were in favour of a random. So what's this all about? And it was just, it's it like it was just dreadful. And it was, I mean, that was he, it was a dreadful start to what was a dreadful conference. There were a lot of pauses in that interview that. <laughs> I think she was trying yeah. to assume it was delays um, in that, Maybe. you know, the I transmit because they weren't in the studio. But yeah, it was like her, God, got to say something, say <laughs> anything. Well, I th- I think you can he see did. her face change before she answers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Him starting the interview off with talking about Paddy Ashdown, who she said <gasps> in the past she absolutely loves and respects and everything. And him suddenly turning on to the fact that he was in favour of the referendum and the outcome of it, and they would want to change it. And that threw off so much that the rest of it was just a big car crash. That that way yeah. of making a gush over somebody and then completely turning on his head, was, was that it? She couldn't deal with that. She had no way of combating it. What was Paddy Ashton's constituency? I can't remember. I don't know either. Um, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, Look, do you think was, we're think knowledgeable about politics? Was... No, we're just here to make jokes. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm... No, we're cool people. We don't fucking know anything. Um, <laughs> just like the journalists. Yeah. Uh, I think the point was that Paddy Ashdown was a uh, had a committed belief in democracy, right? So he yeah. says, we've had a referendum. I might not like the result, but we have to abide by it. Yeah. Now... Personally, I mean, sure, that that's great. If you think if you're going to hold democracy as like your highest principle, then you have a little bit of wriggle room. You can say, okay, well, let's have a second confirmatory vote, just you know, so everyone's on the same page. Yeah. You, you can you spin it like that. Personally, I don't think a stance of revoking is that bad a thing. I think if you if you make an honest yeah. evaluation yeah. of your commitments between democracy and remaining in the EU and you come to the conclusion that remaining is more important, you can have an honest and you can support it. You can have the, the, the courage of your convictions and you can take a you know honest stance to support that argument. She's trying to have everything. She's trying to say, no, we're pro-democracy and we're pro-revoke and we're you know pro-everything. We're pro-all the good things. Yeah, and, and you know the Lib Dems as a whole and Joe Swinson in particular were pro- absolutely 100% pro-second referendum right up to the moment that Labour said something similar and then they just moved the goalpost completely. Sure, because it's not actually about the the, the policies. It's, it's, a, it's about positioning. It's about triangulation. Right. And wasn't she pro-EU referendum back in 2010 anyway? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah that was her. Lib Dem policy for quite a while. Like any treaty changes would mean that there had to be a referendum, things like that, yeah. Yeah, and you know, but overall, I think this sort of set the tone for what was sort of a bizarre conference. Because I mean, we have to say, look, they didn't do t- local elections. They got a bunch of councillors. Um, they just had a uh, Radnor and Breckenshire. I think they gained an MP. You know, that kind of stuff. Like, we have to say, there is some wind beneath their wings. It's not entirely out of out of bounds. But what they've done is just like taken a little bit of wind and then just snorted an Italian helium balloon and said, no, actually, we are in space. 
I think the bird Floating is up on their Icarus. galaxy brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bird is very... Yeah, it's Icarus. Well, the bird is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's yellow, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think someone pointed out in episode four that this is just a return to sort of normalcy. This is a return to before they lost everything because of their um, breaking promises and just completely fucking it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not like they're doing any better than they've ever been. And they were electoral non-entities back then as well. So it's not like this, you know, is, is yeah. a change of situation. Yeah, yeah but... You I know, said, be- though, yeah, if they pull 50 seats... I guess. Yeah, yeah but- to get a majority, wouldn't they need over 300, which is three times the most they've ever gotten? Yeah. Yep. They would, oh, yeah I mean, yeah. they would they would need to do you know, things that are entirely outside the realm of anything that's remotely probable. But the real reason they all felt really full of themselves is because they have a, you know, they have a full new bench. It's an all-star cast. They're all, you know, <laughs> razor sharp, <laughs> raring to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're pulling in talent from the right. They're pulling in talent from other parts of the right you know they're all coming together if you've got the raw and i do mean like just the star power political talent of angela funny tinge smith you know you are on a roll uh you know if you've got the homophobia and you know the weird opinions of philip lee you are just getting there you know if you've got you know the universities are blocking free speech by right-wing lunatics of Sam Gmiaia, I can't remember, pronounce his last name, then you are really there. And if you've got Jane Dodds, then who's Jane Dodds again? I, nobody knows. I don't know. No. Don't forget, they do have the Shadow Shadow Foreign Secretary as well. Oh, yes. The sh- <laughs> and we shall come on to his speech in but a moment. <laughs> I, I think, you know, what's most important is that we, as Vince Cable said in his speech, I think it's really important that, you know, they have to be a big, welcoming, inclusive party. So you have to embrace the homophobia. You have to embrace, you know, the, the borderline racism. You have to embrace all of that. Because that means you're embracing diversity. So, as he literally said, we cannot have pious finger pointing. He said this, she voted for that. We've got off to an excellent start with our six new recruits. And the liberal centre of British politics must remain the party of open arms, not closed minds. Wow. Wow, so enough people said to the Lib Dems, why won't you tolerate my intolerance? And they had a little discussion and said, yeah, why don't we tolerate your intolerance? Yeah. <laughs> their, their logo should be, we'll take anyone. We, we just don't care. Please. We can't afford to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean, it's, it's very Lib Dem. It's all, you know, we, we, you know, we've recruited some consultants from other parties and, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, we're hiring straight from the top down. And then, you know, just... I, I, because I, I just, I want to do myself brain damage. You know, I watched some of this and I watched Vince Cable live because, you know, as you do. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> Was he Vince Cable on cable. Yeah. And, you know, he had a great line about, you know, labor as well. He said, a generation of young people have been bet- betrayed over Brexit. Um, that and the <sighs> Labour Party's ugly intolerance and anti Semitism have brought us these six great new talents. And it's just like, you were the people who betrayed an entire young, young generation of people, you know. That was you guys. That's an yeah, extraordinary sort of set of brainworms that are just crawling all over him. But they got the Someone took away bags. the... 
Someone took away the free tuition, and by God, I won't rest here. It's it's like Begbie throwing the glass. Ah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Vince Cable standing, Vince Cable standing at the bar, going, "Right, someone's taking away our tuition, and they can't leave here till I find out what cunt's done it." <laughs> oh, yes, no, we, I mean, we yeah. can't we can't pass this by without briefly, you know, mentioning. Uh, uh, the shadow, 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 uh, foreign secretary, um, you know, permanently wreathed in, 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 yeah, in darkness. Uh, if he has enough, like, shadows, then do they work like negatives? And so he'll eventually become the foreign secretary. No, it becomes a halo. Like he, he ascends upwards on, on wing uh, opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case anyone doesn't know, we're, we're, we're laughing at the fact that Chuck Emuna has Shadow Foreign Secretary in his, like, his bio, yes, his bio. Twitter yeah. handle, and his, <laughs> his profile. He's not position. the Shadow Foreign Secretary. There is only one Shadow Foreign Secretary, and that is whoever the largest, the main opposition party, designates to that post. Yeah, it's, it, it's whoever yeah. it is, it's not Chuka Like, it's really not. And he did this, I mean, he did this speech and it was trailered on all the media and it was all, all the papers, you know, Chuka's really going to take a bite out of Corbyn and tell him, you know, exactly why he left the Labour Party. And it was just, it was just so dull and trite and awful. And it was just like, I had to leave the Labour Party because Corbyn loves Venezuela, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... It's funny that he brings up Venezuela because he has something very much in common with this uh, Guaido person. You know, if I just call myself by a title, yeah, then then it will happen. If I do, if if I believe it often enough, eventually it, it will be the case. He's just going to will himself into the position of of of, of shadow foreign secretary the same way Guaido. This is what become, it is. You know? He's been reading. He's been reading the secret. It's that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he picked it up at the train station as you do, and now he's just like looking in the mirror, going "Shadow Foreign Secretary, Shadow Foreign Secretary." <laughs> Joy, be a member of five parties in one year. It, but, yeah. but he's going for like a steam achievement. Just you know, give a conference <laughs> speech from every party. <laughs> Who can he join next? Brexit Dang. party. Oh, of <laughs> well, actually, I wouldn't put, given the state of UKIP, because they've disinvited their own party leader to their conference this, <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, yeah. He, he <laughs> it's finally time to shine. It's him. It's, he's the new you know, leader of UKIP. Oh, he's, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 he was, you know, uh, playing like Morrowind or Skyrim and not resting until you've become the leader of all the guilds. <laughs> 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 oh man uh, but you know we, can, we can't just say look it's only about Brexit there were some really other important policies that were discussed there as well yes absolutely um, give me some policies yeah yeah no, right um, into my arms th there were a number Check of them that shit um, <laughs> it was well I've read the policies mostly I'm sorry it was tough yes thank you do you yeah. understand them I did my best. I, I can't understand. There, I understood I mean, the words. I can't understand the thinking, you know. They, right, okay. Hit me. So one of the, the major ones they brought through, which is, you know, lots of good words here, but very bad on the details. First one is building swathes of good quality social housing quickly. Fair enough. Swathes. Swaths, swathes, I don't know. I'm only <laughs> English. I don't know how to speak the language. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so their plan is... They plan to build 300,000 homes a year. 
that's but, fine. I mean, we all know, if is it it sways the word that they use because we all know swathes is a lot of things. I think it's swarms. It's, swarms of good social it's, housing. It's it's big swarms of. <laughs> <laughs> You know, swarms of quality social housing coming over the border and just like settling on Greenbelt land. <laughs> Bloody houses coming over here. Yeah. Um, three hundred thousand rings a bell. Why does it ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. That was the Conservative promise in two thousand and seventeen to build oh, right. three hundred thousand. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. They got that's, permanently that, behind. That's... That's visionary and ambi- you know, ambitious. Wait, are, are, are you yeah. saying that the Lib Dems and the Tories sometimes share policy goals? That can't be true. No. Mm, doesn't sound like them. You know. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably too shy to answer. Just to be clear, 300,000 homes is nowhere near what's needed. No, well, all. yeah, this is it as well. The uh, National Housing Federation calculated in 2018 that it needed to be at least 340,000. So... A year, yeah. yeah. We yeah. need a lot of Until, homes in this country. Yeah. Like, we're four million short as of a few I mean, years ago. So, Well, we could just give all the empty ones to people who need them. Yeah. Because there's, there's a that. lot of empty ones, a lot of second homes, a lot of third homes, a lot of fourth and fifth homes. Uh, they're just sitting there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, taking up space. In London, you know, not very good real estate market at the moment. You know, certainly not there at all to, you know, hide capital that, you know, the Russians no. would probably like back or something. Not at all. That would... i say they're fair game. Absolutely. Best uh, policy proposal post-Grenfell was housing them in all the empty properties. All right. So they're not building nearly enough houses. And not only are they not building nearly enough of them, uh, out of those 300,000 300, homes... Um, you know that that it's not even going to be enough affordable ones. No, not at all. There, um, only a hundred thousand of these housing aim to be social rent. Affordable? Yeah, uh, there's you know thousands of different terms for describing houses now. Uh, just trying to hide the fact that basically, if they come up with enough names, they can make up for the fact there aren't enough houses. So, um, yeah, there's um. <laughs> Same research uh, said about 40% of these getting built should be affordable homes, but... So rent-controlled? Um, or, yeah. Or I even think, just social housing, you know. Yeah, social Affordable rent- for buy-to-let. Ugh, well. So, so they reckon 300,000 homes for social housing, but only 100,000 actually social housing. So what would the other 200,000 be? Just... Well, yeah, you know, sort of presumably... Middle-class construction, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Replacing swarms of regulation with swarms of good quality housing. <laughs> swarms. <laughs> but yeah, so like, it's it's there is a massive housing problem in this country. But sort of mm-hmm. the Lib Dem policy is purely well, that means there aren't enough homes. Ignoring the empty properties that we do have and all the other problems around uh, being the wrong type of housing, the wrong size being built for the area, etc. You know, large families, single people, blah, blah, blah. The case mix is totally wrong. They're just saying, well, throw up anything. But even based on the research, like they look at how big a problem it is and then try to address like some of it. Just not even the whole thing. Just do quite a lot of the fixing, but not all of it. That would be too bold to propose an actual full solution to the problem. 
I mean, it's not even that. It's it's uh, it's the kind of it's the kind of solution that uh, leaves itself very easy, um, very easily to be undone, very very soon, because it doesn't address any of the actual structural issues that caused the problem in the first place. So it's uh, uh, it's it's a it's a little plaster over, over something. Yeah, over a shotgun um, wound, essentially. It's a perfectly yeah, yeah, centrist it's, it's, policy. It, yeah. 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 Pretty <laughs> much. You're you're. You're standing in a room with knives all across the floor, and instead of getting rid of the knives, you're just like, "Oh, I've uh, I've got a wee first aid box here. That'll be fine." <laughs> yeah, and speaking of you know lovely centrist ideas, uh, they're also going to bring about a lifelong learning revolution because you know it, it, we're all going to work twenty five thousand jobs until we're dead. So that means we're going to have to retrain a lot, and that means that you know. And and tell me where this number sounds familiar. The Liberal Democrats want to make nine thousand pounds available to everybody, all adults. Where does where does that word nine thousand? Where does that ring a bell? Nine thousand. Nine thousand. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't know because I live in the socialist utopia of Scotland, where this is all free. <laughs> but correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the is that what it costs for one year of university? That's the tuition fee cap. Yeah, which oh, magically right. and weirdly, all universities now pretty much have. Yeah. Yeah. Who could have foreseen that if you said, you know what, well, you, you can charge up to 9,000. That's it. We're going to hope that you don't, you know, be reasonable. Oh, whoops. They're all yeah. doing it. Oh, well. So what we now yeah. have is uh, they're, they're going to give everybody 9,000 pounds in a um, personal education and, I don't know, skills account. Skills account, a, a PESA, P-E-S-A. And that's going to function essentially like yet another sort of, it's not quite a bank account, but it's like something you can access. And they're going to dump uh, three times 3,000 quid into it at when you're 25, 45, and 55. And then with that magical money, you can um, you can go on executive retreats and, uh, you know, learn managing skills from McKinsey or... <laughs> oh, shit, of course. Yeah. Wait, that's exactly that's what it is. I didn't even think yeah. of that. My God, no, it's, yeah, it's for... It's for people who can finagle education right if if certain things are covered by education including like an undergraduate degree which you can't do with just 9000 nope. pounds you need four times that much but if you want to go on a, a, a corporate retreat yes, or something exactly. or, or, or get yeah of course that's it if you're an upper middle class person and you want to go do that then the money's good for you that's, sure that's fine. exactly what it, i mean yeah i mean you, you can, it's it, going to lead to people buying like the world's most expensive sort of gcses Yes yeah. and ho. Um, but so, so you only get to be fair. To be fair, with nine thousand pounds, you can probably buy about three textbooks. <laughs> that, you know. Are they saying that you get nine? You can read them. You can learn stuff by the time you're fifty-five. So you get one year of university. A uh, uh, current price is by the time you're fifty-five. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So wow, that's a really good. I policy. mean, it's twenty-five. So you, when you're twenty-five, you get three thousand quid. So um, maybe you're allowed to buy like. Um, a little Semester. scooter and a driving test, so you can be uh, you can work for Deliveroo or Amazon, and then at forty-five you can use another three thousand to retrain, and you know by that time it'll be what twenty thirty-five, give or take. So you can get you know a USB port in the back of your brain, so Amazon can hook you up in the uh, Amazon ThinkPod warehouse. <laughs> and then ten years after that, you know you can have uh, for three thousand quid. 
you know, you can have uh, a robotic spleen because you've sold the actual one to Elon Musk. <laughs> what a glorious future awaits us all. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm opening a Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand who this policy is is supposed to win over if, it, if, if they're trying to win back the student vote because by the time the students are 55 they're not going to be needing this kind of stuff. It seems like a, a ludicrous solution to something they created all those years ago. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, do you know what? For me, this would be a good policy because I'm looking to get back into education. I'm, I'm, I'm 28. I'm, I would be a mature learner. But where, where I live, it's like £1,400 a year. So that's fine. 9,000 quid would cover four years and a bit left over to help with rent and shit. That would be pretty good. I'm willing but to bet. That because of the Lib Dems' own fucking policy and their own promise breaking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the, most of the rest of the country, that is not the fucking case. <laughs> and also, I'm willing to bet, you know, let's say £3,000 that by the time, if whatever, this thing which will never be implemented is implemented, that those courses which are now 1,000 quid in your area will suddenly magically become 3,000. Oh, yeah. It would be yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing as the fees. Like, supposedly there would be competition keeping the prices below 9,000. But as soon as they know the money's there, nope, everything's maximum price. Yeah, oh my God, absolutely. If everyone's, it's the same problem with like UBI. If, you know, if, if there's no rent controls and everyone's got an extra grand a month, then what's to stop everyone from putting the rent prices up by another grand? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The the next one, which I think is, it, it, I read this. I, I really did myself harm for this episode, and like, <laughs> you, it, it, when we do the reading, I hope we get to it. That will become even more clear. Uh, is they they will get companies and pay careful attention to the wording here. Get companies to think beyond short term share price gains and executive greed. So they will get. The FTSE 500, or you know, the the, the the corporate sector of the United Kingdom, to think about not so much with the greed and 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 share price fixation. They're going to send out little greeting cards that say things like, "Have you considered altruism today? <laughs> have you have you done your good deed for the week?" Please don't do a capitalism. <laughs> what about buying pizza for your workers while they slave away on their 14-hour shifts? Yeah, please convert your employees into mulch tomorrow. <laughs> or as um, well, I, uh, one of the companies who shall remain nameless who let off a lot of their workforce and then had a tequila party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an I'm interesting sure that's question, but let's not do that one. But yeah, yeah. No, the, the, so it's, it's essentially your asking you know it unleashed capitalism which has run the united kingdom since the 1980s essentially to not do its essential core function but you'll ask them politely if we just ask them nicely if we just ask them nicely i'm sure it'll be fine i mean it's 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 rare to see this kind of thinking put down so blatantly right because usually these kind of reformist liberals try to couch things in like some sort of plan or some sort of numbers fuckstein kind of thing with like a lot of different, you know, sort of uh, we've got plans and regulations and we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll take the money from here and put it in there. And, you know, they try to obfuscate how it'll actually do nothing yeah. by making it sound complicated. Um, the, the, you know, you know, your, your, your Clintons, your Blairs, even 
Yeah, even Liz Warren has this kind of problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but just seeing it laid out like that, let's, let's just get them to think about it. Yeah. Let's just ask them to think about it. What kind of policy would that be? They're going to pass a law going, every CEO must spend an hour a week in meditation about altruism. <laughs> <laughs> they send the police around, knocking on the doors. Excuse me, have you done your, 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 uh, your executive greed meditation today? <laughs> The companies yeah. would just make those adverts like the BP executive did saying, I'm really, really sorry. We did a capitalism again today. Uh, we did think about hard not doing it, but it just happened. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll <laughs> give everyone earning over £100,000 a choice that they can pay an extra 500 quid in tax or spend that £500 on a mindfulness retreat. <laughs> this is sure. Yeah, because weirdly enough, this is actually also true. Uh, that's you, that's very strange because this is actually true. You can actually like make more money into your personal education account, and that's all tax free. So you could actually do that. So like, if you wanted to do like a uh, 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 high grade MBA, all you'd have to do presumably is transfer like what whatever those things cost. I think like thirty thousand pounds or something into your education savings account, not pay taxes on it, and get an MBA. What if I'm, I'm a business owner and I just rebrand as the University of Me? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm subscribing to you right income, now. I want to you know, have all, e-learning from you. <laughs> <laughs> all my income is just me paying for my education. It's, just, it's, it's, it's my income fund. It's, it's, it's going to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I think these I have, like I to, the yeah. PESAs, like giving everyone in this country a bank account is actually a really progressive policy. There is huge amounts of people without access to bank accounts and that makes their life true. Yeah. living hell. So again, it's like a, a Lib Dem halfway solution. We see the problem. They don't have savings. I they think, don't have bank accounts. Yeah. What if we give them well, a bank I account, think, but it's highly focused and irrelevant for most of their yeah. life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they thought about it that way. I, 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 I think they've accidentally stumbled upon something good, which would be giving everyone a bank account. That would be great. Have like a national savings fund. Yeah. Everyone gets, you know, everyone gets some amount of money for, for, for in, in a personal account and everyone gets something in their ISA or whatever that they can, you know, kind of, um, and public courses on how to budget that, you know, all that kind of shit that we didn't learn in school. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 uh, and then I mean the other things. Honestly, then are worth talking about. It was blah blah big data, and you know that tax dodging is a problem. Never mind that Transparency International has repeatedly said that, especially the you know Crown dependencies of the United Kingdom are among the most tax dodging friendly places on you know this earth. So oh, whatever. Yeah. And then you know to be fair, they did quite frequently manage that climate change is very serious and that we need to do something about it, which, you know, I'll take from the Lib Dems, that's a good thing, and we should all be very concerned and do something about it. Like, that's fine. No worries there. Yeah, Are they going to yeah. ask the climate to be nicer? <laughs> did, they actually, did they actually say what the something was that we should do or just it should, we should do No, something? it's just, it's all very... It's a very, it's a very King Canute attacking the ocean with his sword kind of thing. <laughs> yes. They're going to send little notes to all of the CEOs of, you know, fossil fuel using companies and say, do you know it takes 10 years to, for a tree to grow? <laughs> no. They're going to shoot a polite request into a hurricane. <laughs> when you brush your teeth, make sure to turn the water off while you're doing yeah. it. Um, which yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah, which all leads us to Joe Swinson's, you know, magnificent closing speech. 
Ah, well, yes, the, the magnum one second, opus. Hang on, hang on. Harnessing the power of big data while cracking down hard on predator. The, the, this big data thing has rung a little bell because we all remember who Nick Clegg is, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, he was the leader of the Lib Dems when they first fucked it. Do you know what he's doing now? Ooh. I do, but tell uh, me yes. still. <laughs> well, I don't know the details. He's working for Facebook. He was their oh. PR guy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's their, head, he's their global head of public relations. And government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is Mr. Facebook now. Ah. So, to me, it seems really funny that they say harnessing the power of big data because it, it, it looks like they're trying to say that big data can be a positive force for cracking down on these predatory monopolies. Yeah, but yeah, and I, it, so could we expect maybe a Lib Dem government to maybe give out some government contracts to Facebook to, to, to you know, to get them to crack down on these monopolies? <laughs> Absolutely. A little bit of the old, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's all very transparent to me, but maybe I'm just I too I believe cynical. that's called synergy. <laughs> maybe maybe ah, trying to yeah. entice him back into the party because they thought, well, if he could get into the coalition at one point, See, see Lib Dems, we don't need a personal education budget. We can sort the shit out ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Vertical integration. <laughs> uh, shall we move on and just wrap this up? Because it's just, honestly, it was just yeah, dreadful. Yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. Most of it. Yeah, okay. So the the final, the big finish of the Lib Dem conference, of course, is the new leader, Joe Swinson's closing speech. Woo! <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it. I did read a transcript. <laughs> so, probably a good show. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like the, the, the key points is that basically it, it was trying to rewrite the past and the present in sort of really, you know, logic defying ways. Like we said earlier, they're, they're very high on themselves right now and not, not really trying to present a, an appealing front to anyone that they haven't already converted so like the the main thing is that I guess for them is that they would primarily or she rather was focusing on, you know, how to stop Brexit. Brexit's bad. But then we're only talking about how they would revoke it. So that was her entire focus. Now, they have completely abandoned the the concept of, you know, the, the people's vote and stuff like that as this constant escalation thing. But. They're, they're kind of stuck now, aren't they? Like, yeah. What, what can they well, do now? Unless they go, we're going to, actually, we're going to go even harder. We're going to adopt the euro and we're going to get rid of the the concessions and, and we're going to all, we're going to change the national language to French. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to yeah. crown Guy Verhofstadt as king of Britain. <laughs> I Ooh. like him. King I know he's British. a shit, but something about his like bumbling sort of face is, I don't know, I, I find it sympathetic. <laughs> no, that's, we can, we, uh, we'll do a Europe, Europe episode at some point and we'll talk about Kiefer Hostet and why, you know, oh, yeah. he, he really deserves some time in a re-education camp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know he's bad. I just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, no, I know it's where you're coming from. Dunk, it's funny seeing him dunk on these Brexit people in government and stuff, you know, like it's, it's yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, he's charismatic, I guess. That's yeah. So I mean, it was all you know. It was all uh, um, laborists to extreme because they're all Stalinist communists now, and conservatives are too extreme because they're nationalist populists now. And Boris Johnson was a socialist dictator now, which was one of the oddest turns of phrase of that whole bleak conference. Yeah, for, really? for a man who doesn't like socialist dictators, he's acting like one. Which 
you know, for what? a politician, is just not good analysis. <laughs> it's, but no. It, everyone probably heard that there's, and thought, what? There's right-wing dictators you can, can draw perfect analogies to, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. like... Like what? Why? Oh my God! It's it's because liberals always are more aligned with the right wing than the left. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, let's not. Yeah, you yeah. know, this is one of these brain farts. And then you know, we all know yeah. this. And Corbyn didn't campaign enough against Brexit. You know, despite making hundreds of appearances in media and doing multiple rallies a day. And then you know, despite Tim F- more than she did. Yeah, much more, more than, than she Dems did. did. Yeah. Much yeah, more yeah, than yeah. Tim yeah. Farron did. Yeah, Tim Farron as the leader, didn't even participate in TV debates. And after the actual vote, described himself as a Eurosceptic. Which because is... the rays from the cameras will turn you into gay frogs! <laughs> Good lord. Uh, and yeah. I think, for me, the most galling bit came closest to the end when, you know, again, no apologies for austerity, even in a separate interview saying there is no magic money tree and we are proud of our record of, you know, again contributing to the death of 130,000 people. We're very proud of that. You know, this, she literally says, when we were in government, we asked why any child should be hungry at school and we introduced universal free school meals. And it's like, but the other policies, like the big stuff you did, like, don't get me wrong, free school meals, very good. Like, that's a good thing. But the other stuff left nearly one in five children in the UK under the age of 15 suffering from food insecurity, and that was in 2017. So, like, you know, it, yeah, it's like, yes, yeah. you introduced a 5p plastic bag tax, and that is good. But your and, record and is trash. According to the, the UN humanitarian report, it's, what, it's 37% of children are in poverty, and that's a direct result of their coalition. Yeah, it, we're going back to the golden age of liberalism uh, when people had rickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. I mean, if it's it, good enough for Lloyd George, it's good enough for today. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's it was. I mean, it the, the whole thing was just it. It was very much reminiscent of the the nineties as well. It was like. You know, we must be an open world, and you know, Chuka and the others were very much on not just about we must be part of the EU, but like other great institutions without flaws, like the World Bank and the IMF and NATO. You know, it's it's a back to sort of the new world order, end of history nonsense. That you know, it's just it's thirty years odd since that. It's just like, can we not stop doing that now? You said where can they go from from revoking Article Fifty? Where can they escalate it to? Well, they're going to bring back Pangaea. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Chucker Munna puts in his bio, President of Pangaea, often enough, eventually the continents will just start drifting together. Yeah. <laughs> this is known. Right. Now, who is ready for something completely different? Ooh. All right, yes. go on. I have, a su- I have a surprise for you. I have a surprise, and it's not a nice surprise, and you won't like it. Do you want to hear about it uh-huh. anyway? Well, no, not after what you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Go a bit of it. a reading series for you, and because we were talking, you know, about the Lib Dem conference, and because we were talking about personal education savings accounts, uh... and, uh, you know, we, we, we have to talk about student fees, and we have to talk about students. And the question that, you know, I don't want to ask you, but that is being asked in, in this reading series, is does capitalism benefit students? 
<laughs> yes, now this is written by, uh, <laughs> you'll love this, uh, this is written by Daniel McIlhenny, and he works for Turning Point UK. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, which one? Yeah, who knows, but I, this is on their blog. You can you can go to their website and read it on their blog if, if you really must. No, thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll abbreviate bits of it because it's like we are running a bit long as usual. Um, so here we go. A lot of proponents of capitalism struggle with the question, does capitalism benefit students? When I started thinking about writing this article, I approached a friend of mine who works with various politicians on the pro- promotion of capitalism and Western values. And I asked him this very question. His initial response... Yeah? It's Charlie Kirk, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and his initial response was, probably not. Capitalism will say, pay for it yourself. And I... (laughs) So, like, hit the nail right on the head there. Like, just stop the thing there, and then you were golden, because it's true. Yeah. But probably not. But somehow this is a good thing. Yeah, and then you know he goes, you know, he's just blah blah blah, and this is the attitude of a lot of students in the Western world, you know, uh, that that socialism is preying on people because Corbyn is now prelegging no tuition fees, and you know he brings us back to Nick Clegg, blah blah blah, (laughs) and then um, he asked what I think is an important question: Is it true that students have to wait for the benefits of capitalism until they leave university? Perhaps not. <laughs> you right. can work now. Uh, you, Have your labour uh, stolen uh, now. Someone's cheating. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Sorry. Uh, what I'd like right, it, go on, read a bit. If, imagine. I swear to God, I'm back in the text now. Imagine if there was a popular board game designed to simulate life. Oh, the God. first choice you it can, can make is life. <laughs> The first choice you can make in this board game is whether or not to go to university so you can begin uh, earning straight away or pay your money to have a potentially higher paying job later. Now, imagine, if you will, that this choice is taken away from you, that you no longer have... Why is he saying imagine the the board game is there? It's real. (laughs) I've played the damn thing. Does this guy think he's invented the board game? Yeah, 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 he does. Uh... Uh, furthermore, there is the very fact that by going to university, we have the potential to earn more money than our parents or our contemporaries, and that is down to capitalism and the Judeo-Christian values of freedom on which this ideology is built. Oh. Gotta shove those Judeo-Christian values in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those yeah, those Christ. Muslims, they don't care about freedom or education no, no, no. Or, or anything. No, no, no. no they, none of it whatsoever. They, no. Um, oh, it's still so weird hearing that sort of phrase aimed at the UK. You know, it's sort of the USA market's all over that, but... <laughs> That's their main talking point, you know. Uh, algebra, as we know, famously a Judeo-Christian invention. Yeah. <laughs> Now, imagine, if you will, that this choice is taken away from you, that you no longer have the free agency to decide how you play this hypothetical game. You would probably begin to care less about that decision. Now, imagine that all the cards that gave you a career uh, paid you the same wage and that all the cards for a house cost the same. You'd probably begin to care about the whole game a lot less and you do so very quickly. What? Your whole it's okay. Yeah, Can I be okay, the banker? I, 
Your, it sounds like the only way to get <laughs> Your whole enjoyment of the game of life, you know, this hypothetical game, is built upon your ability to choose and to choose the opportunity of winning. Uh, that is God. Uh, yeah, because life is a game. Sure, yeah. it's it's a it's all just a game. It's uh, I love these dumb shit thought experiments. Yeah, this, that these this people is... thrive on this this Ben Shapiro school of like you know imagine if you will and let's assume that that they're the game and 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 that you have choices to make. Oh, fucking shoot me now. <laughs> now oh, if we yeah, move some of those. Sorry, Karen. Yeah. Now if we move away from our analogy, <laughs> we will find that the <laughs> same thing exists in our own lives. We have oh, the ability God. to choose and to innovate, <laughs> combined with the potential to win. This is what drives not only us, but our entire society. So the whole analogy was pointless. It, the, yes, it was not only is the whole analogy pointless, but also, you know, like this hypothetical game, everybody starts on the exact same start square with the same amount of money and, you know, the same amount of opportunity, and everything is yeah, the yeah. same because, because in this hypothetical game, merit and choice is all. Oh, yeah, so it's actually better than real life. Yeah, way better. The potential to win and the potential to lose is what causes a society to flourish and the individual to feel fulfilled. Without this, we can only hope to achieve mediocrity and personal apathy. So psychopathic, having... Oh, it's great that we have loads of losers because we have a few winners as well. Yeah, (laughs) cruel. Yeah, someone's read, like, the intro to Nietzsche and, like, never bothered going any further. Uh, or, or, or probably not, you know, just like some, some spark notes about Rand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the Ubermensch and I will win at life. <laughs> That's why I wear a cravat <laughs> and, and, uh, and a fedora and I, I sip whiskey, uh, but I don't actually drink it because my taste buds are those of a five-year-old. <laughs> and eventually I will be head of the society that gets to pick the cheese that comes with the Tory party conference. <laughs> or the head of Labour students. <sighs> but what if all universities were free? If university would, was free, then we would undoubtedly see more people at university unconcerned with potential debt. But would this be preferable? Yes. it's this whole pamphlet hey kids have you considered that good things are bad (laughs) do you want to learn for free and better yourself and never have to worry about it ever again oh wait wait, no this is bad isn't it whoops sorry sorry ignore that or do do you want to be a winner (laughs) so basically you your your drive you know your ambition to win means that you've been working enough hours to, to save up nine thousand pounds a year for for three or four years by the time you're 18 yeah yeah um so presumably you haven't been going to high school and you and you and you don't have the actual you know academic qualifications so uh, to to get no but you got a very practical that. education sweeping chimney so it's cool it's fine yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think he's thought this through very well. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. Mm. His diaper might be a bit too tight. Yeah, but but, but, <laughs> but you see, you see, in reality, flooding universities can only be damaging to them and to society as a whole. If more people enter university, you will see a decline in those taking on the necessary jobs that don't require a t- university education. We would see fewer plumbers, technicians, uh, surface workers, and electricians, all of whom are essential for society. You have to go to fucking trade school for that shit, motherfucker! <laughs> How on earth? How do you think they appear? 
No one's an electrician because they pulled out a fucking electricity for, for dummies fucking thing or, 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 or they had a little set when they were a kid where you put the wires yeah, yeah. next to the wires and the you push the button and the fucking light bulb lights up. Jesus Christ. I think, you know... He's not even describing... talking about bin men or something. Fucking hell. No, no, no. Electricians he... and surface workers are, you know, they, they hatch out of their electrician and surface worker eggs. There's... Where I grew up, there, there is a school, the Eteha in Zurich, which is considered one of the top, top schools on the planet. And it's a fucking engineering school. Yeah. Where people go to learn this kind of shit that he's talking about. Oh. He, he's almost talking about the syndrome point of view from The Incredibles. If everyone's special, no one is. Yeah. Using it in education, if everyone has a degree, well, degrees are pointless. Well, kind of, but I... it doesn't matter because people know something and they can use what they've learned in a profession somewhere. What is the problem with everyone getting knowledge? I don't see the issue here. I, I've just worked it out. I've just worked it out. This man, this person is... Uh, very, very worried about his own intellect. Yes. <laughs> he he has a major uh, inferiority complex about his own brain power. And he just wants to... to, to he wants to live in a world where uh, only people like him know how to write multisyllable words. Yeah. That's it. But would, That's all he you, wants. But he's, would you like to hear the, the other, like, really massive drawback that, you know, we would all be uh, effete office workers and el no electrician would exist anymore? Like, the real drawback. Right. We would see a massive decrease in innovators and entrepreneurs who historically are rarely university educated, who are willing to take the risk of not attending university in order to follow their aspiration. So... This guy obviously thinks that as soon as university is available to everyone, everyone will go. Nobody wants to go to nobody wants to not go to yeah. university. Yeah, exactly. Everyone goes to university and nobody has any ideas at university. Yeah. <laughs> well, and all okay, come on. This is it's, it's basic economics. If there is if there is infinite free supply of something, there will also be infinite free demand. Which yes. is why whenever I find a Starbucks with free Wi-Fi, I take all my gear, all my tech, <laughs> and my, phone, my PlayStation, my laptop, my phone. I go down to the Starbucks and I sit there for five hours taking in as much free. Wi-Fi as I can. I've never left. I'm still sitting here. It's been three years. <laughs> Every unattended plug I find, I get like a four-point transformer, daisy chain that, and then just power everything from this spare socket. You know, if, I've got if things just going live, for miles I live now. with my mouth stuck to the kitchen sink. <laughs> to, to, for, for free water, I never stop drinking. <laughs> oh, my word. I if I see an empty plug and all my devices are full, I just stick a fork in it and I don't care <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just got to get that free power baby yeah plus i really love that you know once you've been to university you you, you really can't innovate or be an entrepreneur anymore you know because you've been taught by vile marxist professors that you know that's all you've bad. been brainwashed into wearing the same gray uniform yeah yeah so the point then is no one should go to university then we'd all be innovators yes yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, or electricians Shut the whole thing down you, if, <laughs> if all the universities are closed you can be an electrician or an innovator that's all you need yeah wow. job done yeah, and then he goes on to some 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 nonsense about you know uh, if everybody goes, then the quality of the education will go down. Blah blah blah. It's not important. Uh, yeah, don't start. <laughs> but let's <laughs> <laughs> not even go there. Another one of the fundamental concepts of capitalism is that of meritocracy. Meritocracy <laughs> has created Oxbridge. <laughs> <laughs> And 
<laughs> what? <laughs> Meritocracy has created Toby Young, basically. So yes, yeah. and, you know, they were not at all like medieval institutions that had got royal painted and like a shitload of money for you know reasons lost in the mist of time. It, it's you know. There was, it, 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 it's, it's like cell division. There were two people who met who were very brilliant and then a merchant came by and saw that and gave them money. And then, you know, they bred a third and a fourth and then another merchant came by and gave them more money because that's a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Although it would be foolish to argue that no one in society has advantages when it, with which they start life or that merit... <laughs> Or that meritocracy as a society-wide ideology does not have flaws. Oh, that's very great. Yeah. That's very generous. Of Anyone yeah. can go to Oxbridge if they work hard enough. Oh, there it is. Bullshit! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they can wow. all take their personal education savings account and just go to Oxbridge. Oh, no, wait, because that only kicks in when you're 25. Oxbridge, as we know, famously has infinite... Enrollment limits, right? Yeah. Mm. You could technically have everyone be a student there if only they were smart enough. And if they worked hard and enough. And driven enough. Yeah. Enrollment is not based on where you live. It's not based on whether or not your parents are politically influential. Toby Young. <laughs> uh, Toby or, Young, yes. <laughs> or how much money you have. It is based solely on your academic prowess and potential. Just like to remind people that very, very, very short while ago, just a few months ago, there was a massive scandal in the US that turns out that celebrities and rich people had been literally paying for their broods, for their spawn, to, 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 to go to Ivy League schools like Harvard and Yale. They'd just been paying their way through. They were too dumb to actually meet the entry requirements, so they, they were just bribing everyone and paying for it. And there have been court cases, and people have been, you know, charged. And, and, and Yeah, one of them went to jail. And, Convic- yeah, one of them went to fucking jail. Yeah, Felicity Huffman, she did. Yeah. 14 yeah, yeah. days, I think, and she had to pay back, I think it was 60000 or something. Yeah, yeah, And there's a current days. person who is uh, contesting it, and if she is found guilty, she has, I think, 30 to 40 years in prison awaiting her. Whoa. Yeah. I think yeah. something crazy fucking like that. no sympathy. Yeah. No, but, I think it's like a £500,000 fine. Uh, sorry, $500,000 fine. Yeah, but have, oh. you con- have you considered that the capitalist virtue of meritocracy gives you the ability to do things your parents have only ever dreamed of and gives <laughs> and allows you to like thrive in the environment when you're 30. You. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, such a wonderful social experience. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> class doesn't exist, money doesn't exist, um, you know, background doesn't exist, educational learning difficulties don't exist, you know. Merit will just we, give we you the life you've always part. dreamed of, which is why all of us are, you know, working three jobs right now. I mean, I was lucky enough to be in a position that was privileged enough to go to, 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 to access decent public education when I was a child um, and to move to a country to, 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 to take university courses for free uh, on the government's dime. Um, but I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not better than anyone else. Well, I'm not a fucking idiot, but I'm, I'm spending my time teaching kids how to play fucking Yankee Doodle on guitar. And playing in pubs on the weekend, my daily, my, my weekly alcohol intake is between twenty one and twenty four pints and about nine shots of whiskey. I am not, you know, the the epitome of intellectual vigor here. Um, but according to this guy, I'm better than a lot of other people on the planet. Yeah, yeah. 
because because I worked hard. You worked very hard. I, I sure did. I I I I really worked hard at putting those pints down. You're definitely better than the guy that wrote that article. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. That, that, that's that, that, proof that's you're smarter than you, yeah. one other person. <laughs> <laughs> the simple truth is that societies that do not operate on a capitalist model remove choice and merit from the vast vast majority of society, and that restricts an individual's ability to innovate, thrive, and develop. That's the simple truth, you know. I but, want to stuff this guy in a locker. <laughs> if, if the society has removed their ability to go to university, they're going to be an innovator anyway, so what's yeah. the problem? It's fine. <laughs> Maybe he can innovate his way out of the fucking locker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that was terrible, and I'm very sorry. Um, shall no. we, do you want... But uh, this is not... part of a series, is it? There's no, more. No, don't, no. Uh, you, I mean, we can probably return to to to, to uh, Turning Point in UK at some point. <laughs> yeah, in the future. I mean, I want to hear their take on <laughs> land management and um, you know the health service and stuff. That <laughs> you know they've got some interesting articles about eugenics kicking about. <laughs> oh, Christ! Yeah, there's, yeah. Oh, there's this guy while stuck in a locker has broken out the calipers and is just you know going to town. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be doing this to me if you had a slightly larger. Um, then Dula, blah blah blah. Is my head small enough to fit through the 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 shutters there? <laughs> <laughs> Director of phonology. Ah, <laughs> uh, and now uh, who wants to? Shall we round off today's session with our standard, you know, game of games comment or commentariat? Yes. Who wants to play? Okay. For those of you who are unfamiliar or are new listeners to the podcast, or want a reminder from the last time. Um, I think Rob here is going to read out a few segments that he's taken from the deepest, vilest, darkest uh, uh, tunnels of the media internet space. Uh, and we have to guess, and you, the listener, with us, with us sorry, there, can't speak anymore. The Lib Dems have fucked my brain. Um, <laughs> whether the paragraph in question comes from a journalist writing an article or commentariat, or if it comes from below the line and is in fact a comment left by one of the esteemed innovator members of our public. <laughs> Not much difference. Uh, and, you know, bet between this and reading Turning Point UK, I am, like, dipping my head in a bucket of bleach to kill the brain spiders <laughs> after this. Yeah. Uh, we wish right. you well on your recovery. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm not on next week. I can't do this. Um, <laughs> all right. Ready for round one? Okay. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, uh, Meghan Markle knows how to ingratiate herself and make friends that she used when she was stalking Harry. Her best friend in the Soho house crowd introduced her to the prince. Now they are in Rome, where Meghan no doubt will be arriving at the decadent ancient Roman square event wedding venue dressed as Cleopatra. <laughs> okay. My thoughts... My thoughts, and I say this with the full authority of having dropped out after nearly a full year of journalism, um, <laughs> is so the the content and the and the terms like stalking make me think comment, but there's a narrative flow to it that makes me think uh, someone who studied writing for a little bit. Is the word decadent? You know? mm. Yeah, it kind of bounces. I mean, decadent is a beloved, you know, sort of online right winger term. Mm. It sounds like the so, kind of, uh, of a thing you'd see in one of those. You, you know, the Daily Mail has got that red section on the right-hand side where it's just the, the bits of it. It sounds like something that would be in one of those. 
Maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm torn, guys. What do you reckon? I don't think... Submit your like decisions a, now. Yeah, I don't think an official speaker would use stalking, so I'm going to yeah. go with comment. I'm going to commentary it. Ooh. I'm going to I'm gonna pump for comment, I think. All right, so it's two on one. It was actually a comment, and it came from yes. the Daily Mail, of course. Yeah. Congratulations. I was so bad at this the first <laughs> time we did it, it. but I guess I've learned from the last couple of episodes. All right, I did promise you we'd go, you know, at the start of the episode, I did promise you we'd get back to knife crime, and here we are. Uh, there must be a concentrated effort to increase stop and search to the point when knife carriers thinks, is, think that this is more likely to happen than not. That means deploying officers in droves. The next step must be there must be a consequence of having a knife beyond mere confiscation. Carriers must be arrested on the spot. Commentary, for sure. A commenter would not be able to mask the racism quite as effectively. <laughs> yeah, a comment would not just settle with the police arresting them. <laughs> commentary, that's my answer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think yeah, correct. You're all correct. Would you like to have a guess as to who wrote it and where? Um, spectator, Rod Little. It's uh, Anne Whitaker writing in the Daily Express. Oh. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> That's Holy surprising. Uh, I'd expected more vitriol from her. Yeah, that was very restrained. Good job, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> all right, next round. <clears throat> the government we have is useless. We need to get rid of the whole lot of them and appoint people like Noam Chomsky and Jordan Peterson to make a set of rules we all have to live under, rather, uh, uh, not just the plebs. Appointing people to run the country rather than ruin it with their greed. I'm pretty sure I've seen this in the BBC's Have You Say. <laughs> what the fuck? That's got to be a comment, yeah. But I would love to meet them. <laughs> who wants Noam Chomsky and Jordan Peterson exactly. in charge? Who, who, who has that split? To make the oh rules for a whole society. I just I want to put those two in a room and see what result they come up with. <laughs> okay, so this is a bit too dumb even for comment. <laughs> <laughs> what is worse than comment? This might be... No, I think it circles back. What, the commentary app? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think this might be that special kind of stupidity that you only get from being a very, very powerful journalist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give uh, the final answers now. I'm saying commentary. I, I think comment. I'm going to stick with comment as well. That's it, con some convincing logic from Elijah there, but um, no. No, comment. unfortunately, it is a comment. It came from Spiked yeah. Online. Oh. It, it came from where, sorry? Spiked. Um, oh, like, but that could have easily been a spiked article. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is that a is response true. to a Brendan O'Neill piece, though, so I do see where you were going. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Marxists see nothing wrong with uh, with changing the law to redistribute from wealth from one sector of society they demonize to another sector they hope will vote for them. If anyone resists, they will send them to prison. First, it will be the tax advisors and landlords. Then, who will be next? <laughs> First, they came for the tax advisors and landlords. <laughs> and I did not speak and that was fine. Everything was great afterwards. <laughs> That's got to be a commentary. That's got to be someone writing a, a scare piece. That has to be. That's like, yeah, I think that's like a funded sort of piece, you know, like, like um, sponsored by the Taxpayers Alliance or whatever. Um yeah. Ooh, ooh, dear. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Um, 
because it has that like it has that perfect sort of ranting quality you yeah. know that like sort of enraged 65 year old yeah giving his deep deep thoughts on uh vaguely remembering a brecht poem no it's not brecht is it who who's the poem oh, with the first that uh, came to them it was a, a, a i think it was a priest somewhere in 90 something's germany but i can't 1930s germany can't remember who it's uh, martin niemuller of yes, course niemuller, uh-huh. thank you yeah uh i'm oh i, I don't fucking know can you guys go first <laughs> first uh, it will be the tax advisors and landlords then who will be next well kirby you take one i'll take the other and then just Give Elijah no I, help whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, I think it's commentaria. I, I, I really do think this is one of those those pieces deliberately written after someone's possibly re- read one of the Financial Times pieces and it's gone, oh, this is this is the future. I'm going to write in my right-wing blog or my right-wing newspaper about the, the horrors that's going to happen to us. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Uh, All right. right. Well, I'll take the other one then. Let's go with comment. Right. I think Kirby makes a good argument. I'm going to go commentariat, yeah. It is yeah. commentariat. And I will, oh. say, <laughs> I will say, Kirby, that was extraordinary because it was Tim Newark writing for the Daily Express. <laughs> and he literally references the Financial Times series on the Corbin economy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I gotta say, I skinned a few bits of Tim Newark, and I promise you, you know, dear listeners and and podcasters, he will be back for future episodes because that man is completely out of his mind. Excellent. <laughs> All no, right, final one, and then uh, then we'll we'll say goodbye. <laughs> Ready. Is your, are, mm-hmm. is your body and mind ready for the last? Ready. Yeah. Hit me. All right. It'll take more than a pop-up demonstration to sort Brexit out, Jeremy. I do sympathise, <laughs> though. If you go with your Benite gut and vote leave, your party will shout at you, and momentum might make you disappear in the night. <laughs> <laughs> is this Jess Phillips' Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough eyes. No, yeah, it's not enough self-referential <laughs> words. Uh, um. Ooh. Ooh. I, I, I want to say comment. I want to say comment on that one. That that sounds like the kind of mad stuff you do see when people have some kind of weird article about something tangentially related to Brexit, and it's just, we need to lambast Jeremy again. We need to say something about him somewhere. Yeah, but the press do the same thing. They do, but I, I feel like I, I feel I feel like this is this is close to crazy ranting. I, I do. Yeah, I, I, like yeah, I'm momentum gonna is going to deal with you, Jeremy. Throw you in the momentum gulag. Uh, <laughs> the revolution eats itself. <laughs> I I think I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to say comment. All right, so everybody yeah. in for comment? I'm going against my yeah. instinct and saying comment. Well, in this case, you're correct. It was a comment. It was left on the BBC News oh, page. Like, so thank you all for playing, you know, in the studio oh and at home. Oh, it's always good fun. <laughs> uh, uh, that was great. I'm going to go honour the Lib Dems and their piss bird by going to a slash. <laughs> <laughs> More than they deserve. I'm going to hover behind Chuka and, you know, be a shadow, shadow, shadow <laughs> foreign secretary. Oh. You can catch me well. tomorrow broadcasting myself on my phone, giving another speech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That was great. That's All right. 
That was great fun, guys. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll catch you next week, everyone. Cheers. Yeah. yeah. Thanks Thanks for listening, everyone. Next week is the Labour conference, I think, right? We're doing next time? Yeah, yeah. Possibly. We'll see. Unless anything, you know, magic happens in the meantime, which it might. You never fucking this know. Right? A week is yeah. a long time um, in politics. Yeah. So We do have the proroguing... Um, Supreme Court judgment at the start of the week so that should be interesting yeah look out for that news and it will probably inform our content in some way shape or form anyway right I'm going to sign off thanks everyone yeah. guys thanks cheers for everyone thank you for listening thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much